0: We've been in a series called InstaFam and snapshots of families without filters. All of us like to take pretty pictures. We like to post what we want to project. what We want people to see and to know about our families. This is the third installment. In week one, we, we began talking about the famous declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then last week, also a pretty well-known passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6, we talked about the threefold blessing that God speaks over people who honor and raise families that honor God. And that three-part blessing is repeated throughout Scripture and in several different places in the Old and New Testament uh, as a blessing for obedience and for honoring God. It's a, a blessing of long life. It's a blessing that things might go well with you. It's a blessing of increase. And so we talked about leaving that legacy of godliness and and loving God intensely and, and living life intentionally, not leaving the most important things in life to chance. And so I believe that what we've talked about over the last two weeks can go a long way in setting up our families for success. Bold declarations and intentional action makes a difference. But how many of you know that families can be messy? obviously not from experience, because I'm sure that your home and family just oozes love and kindness 24 hours a day. People are just the most amazing all the time. Uh, But I've heard that other families out there can be really messy. And I'm not talking about Kool-Aid on the carpet messy. I'm talking about full-blown family feuds. Some of you, when I say family feud, this is what comes to mind. what months of pregnancy does a woman begin to look pregnant? Mm -hmm. Mm September A vegetable you marinate. Grapes. (laughs) something you might buy that couldn't turn out to be funny. Got a horse. (laughs) A yellow fruit. (laughs) Orange. Something that follows the word for. You buy. <laughs> <You bought it. laughs> something made of leather? Yes, yes a purse. You're going to be slightly embarrassed if I this something made of leather that a cowboy uses. <laughs> British. Hamster. 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 <laughs> the Hamster. The Hamster. 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 world Watch out for those hamster eggs. (laughs) You know, there's many different kinds of families. And the longer that I pastor families, the more I realize that not only can family often be messy, but many families find themselves trapped in a feud that's not a game, it's not a show. Unless you think that I'm here as some kind of family expert that's been immune from the mess of family or unfamiliar with family feuds, let me tell you a little bit about when I got my first taste of it. I was about eight or nine years old. And our family used to have family reunions and get-togethers, and in a minute, you'll know why we don't anymore. This particular family gathering was at Sam Houston State Park, just north of Houston, Texas, and I was so excited because I was young and I was looking forward to, to going on this camping trip with all of our family being there. There was going to be s'mores and music around the campfire. Grandpa was going to take me fishing. I had my own tent for the very first time. I envisioned it being a perfect weekend. And I couldn't wait for it to unfold just like I had imagined it. However, the weekend that I was looking forward to never happened. Oh, we did go to that family reunion and we did set up camp at the state park. But what I had not imagined or anticipated was that with just within a few hours of all of the family arriving and setting up camp, that my uncle decided that that was the perfect opportunity to make a major announcement to the family about his sexuality. My grandfather didn't take it very well, and while I can't repeat most of the things that I heard him say that day from this stage, I can tell you that he said that while he had an axe in his hand, chasing my uncle around the campground, and several tents were destroyed in the process. My uncle did make it out alive. But from that day forward in the family, sides were chosen, alliances were formed, certain people didn't talk to other people because certain family wouldn't accept other parts of the family, it began, it began some intense years of family feuds. I won't even tell you what happened several years later when the family attempted another get together, but I can tell you it only lasted about an hour. And that was the last time that the family was all together until about a few until a funeral, about 15 years after that, you may have a family dynamic. That's interesting as well. Someone in your family, that's the black sheep of the family. Someone that's chosen to disconnect themselves. Maybe your sister and your mother haven't spoken in years. One of the family members maybe is not welcome with the rest of the family for whatever reason. Maybe that's you. Maybe you or one of your parents have an unresolved issue. Your parents or one of your siblings are on speaking terms. Maybe you're still married, but in reality, you're just living in the same house. Something happened, and the relationship is broken. These things hurt, and even if it's not fresh hurt, Or even if you feel like you've moved on and it's not a big deal, deep down, it hurts. There's an emptiness or an ache or a pain. Just because you've learned to live with it doesn't make it any less real. You may not even remember how it started or who started it. Maybe no one in your family does. It's been going on for so long that no one remembers. You just know you don't get along. You know that it was painful and it's still painful. It was sad and it's still sad. It's destructive and it hurts. Maybe even now you're tensing up, just sitting there saying, Pastor Matt, you don't know what's happened in my family, and you don't know what's been said and what's been done. You don't know how deep that this goes. There's no way to make it right, so don't start meddling where you're not welcome, Pastor. One of our core values as a church is that we value building people as committed followers of Jesus Christ, and that means living our lives according to God's word. My goal every week is to open the Bible and show you what it says and how it speaks to issues in our lives and in our world. And today, we're looking at a classic family feud story in the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 32. Isaac's two sons were locked in a bitter feud. They were twin brothers who had not seen or talked to each other in over 20 years. No contact whatsoever. The fight started with deception. Many of you are familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau, but maybe not necessarily with the part of the story that we're talking about today. Because this is many years after the, the chili incident. We're having a chili cook-off next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Our annual 4th of July, 2nd annual 4th of July chili cook-off. It's going to be great. Uh, Jacob and Esau had a chili cook-off, and it didn't end so well. Ours is going to end with happy family, all this stuff. you know. But theirs, still, theirs ended with Jacob stealing Esau's inheritance by fooling their father. Esau found out about it, and he was furious. He swore to kill his brother. Rebekah, their mother, found out, and she told Jacob, and he ran away, like ran away for good. The last time they saw each other, Esau had promised to kill Jacob. Not like, oh, you rascal, I'm going to kill you when I catch you, you know, kind of thing. But this was a serious promise with a plan. There was no hope of reconciliation. This was as broken as you could get. This was a family feud that was going to last forever. Did Esau have a right to be mad? Yes, he absolutely did. Did Jacob need to run? You bet he absolutely did. They had a legitimate reason to fight. Both brothers felt like they were right and they were justified. And then other people got involved, which never helps as it normally just fuels and adds more fire to the situation. But the story that we're picking up in Genesis chapter 32 has a different ending than what you may expect. And I believe that it can give you hope today that no matter what situation you face, no matter how broken relationships in your family may be, and we're talking about it from the family dynamic, but like with each of the previous weeks as well, this can relate to any conflict that you have in your life, any relationship, any broken relationship or painful situation that you have in your life. You can see a reconciliation and God can be glorified in your family. Even as you're sitting here right now saying there's absolutely no way that that could ever happen. These same principles can apply to family feuds, to issues in a family, but conflict in any situation in life. It's important as Christ followers that we resolve conflict biblically. And conflict in family happens, but conflict in church family also happens. It's more personal of a level when it's a family member, your own flesh and blood. But conflict happens in work relationships. Conflict in life happens. So maybe your family is insta-perfect and you don't need any of this help and advice. You have no conflict in your family at all, and that's great. You have the insta-fam of the year, um, but maybe not, and maybe you can use this in your life. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 3 through 5. It says that Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir, in the land of Edom. And he told them, give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I've been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming and hoping that you will be friendly to me. God had instructed Jacob to return to his homeland, but he knew that in order to do that, he needed to reconcile the relationship with his brother. So he sent these messengers ahead. He sent this message ahead to see what the response would be. And this is the first step that we see Jacob take. And this is the first step in your life if you really want to resolve conflict. Maybe you have a situation, a relationship in life where you haven't spoken to someone for years. Maybe there is a broken relationship. It's never going to be healed unless someone chooses to initiate contact. Someone has to go first. Someone has to be the first one to initiate the contact. We always think that it has to be the other person. Or we want it to be the other person. Or it's their responsibility. Or they hurt me. Or it's their fault. Or even because we have our minds made up of how it will go if we did. So it's pointless to even try. There's no use in making contact. Let me tell you you know, what they what they, what they, they already are going to do in advance. Can I just tell you that your feud will never be resolved unless someone takes the first step. In this case, it was the person who had really probably done the greater offense. Jacob had stolen from his brother through deceit and he had ran away. There will never be resolved issues unless someone takes the first step, so take it. Well, I'm not in the wrong. We'll initiate contact. Mail a Christmas card. Pick up the phone, ask to meet with them. Send someone with a message on your behalf, but someone has to initiate contact. Verse 6 of Genesis chapter 32. After delivering, delivering the messenger, the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, We met your brother Esau, and he was already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. <laughs> oh, yikes, here we go. See, I told you it was a really bad idea to initiate contact. Now look, we're all going to die. Verse 7, Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with his flocks and herds and camels into two groups. And he thought if Esau meets one group and attacks it, perhaps at least the other group can escape, right? So Jacob thought that Esau and his men were coming to make good on the promise from 20 years earlier to kill him. Sometimes the first contact doesn't go well, so, so don't be surprised. In fact, you can probably just expect there to be tension, There's a reason that there's a broken relationship. It's not yet been restored, so expect tension. If you don't expect the tension to be there, then you're likely to be surprised when it's there, but you shouldn't be surprised. You made up your mind and decided to take the first step. You don't know where the other person's at. They may not be at that point. They didn't make the decision to make that step. Jacob was ready to reconcile with his twin brother. Esau likely thought, here comes my no good brother. What's he going to do now? What's he going to take from me this time? How's he going to, you know, you're not going to fool me twice. It's not happening. Whatever. So we see Jacob in verse nine. Then Jacob prayed, oh God of my grandfather, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you've shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick, and now my household builds two large camps. O Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children, but you promised me I will surely treat you kindly. Essentially, Jacob's praying, God, help me. I'm scared over here. You got me into this mess. You pointed me in this direction. So so help a brother out, right? When you've initiated contact and you've encountered tension or you anticipate it, it's a perfect time for you to ask for God's help. Jacob was afraid and he didn't know what his brother would do. He didn't know how he would respond. So Jacob asked for God's help and turned to the promises that God had made to him. James chapter 1 verse 5 says that if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Another translation says he gives generously to all without finding fault. When you're in a situation, when you need wisdom, when you need God's intervention, when you're experiencing the tension when you're walking through a a broken relationship that you want to see, reconciliation or restoration of the relationship, it's a great time for you to ask for God's help in that situation, for you to lean back into the promises of God that he's made for your life and ask God to intervene on your behalf. That's not a last resort. He's always ready and he's always available. Just ask. Verse 13, Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother, Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 uh, female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned them each to different servants. Then he told his servants, go ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. He gave these instructions to the men leading the first group. When my brother Esau meets you, he will ask, whose servants are you and where are you going? Who owns these animals? You must reply, they belong to your servant Jacob, but they are a gift for his master Esau. Look, he is coming right behind us. Jacob didn't try to justify his own actions and say, Esau, you should apologize for threatening to kill me. He did everything that was within his power to make things right. In fact, he went above and beyond to make up for what he had done. You can't control what other people will do, and they may not always do what you want them to do, but you can do your part. You can own your part. You can make up for the wrong that you've done. You can have have some effort to make things right. We need to be intentional about that part of the process. So that's the next point is you make it right. If you want to resolve family feuds, if you want... Uh, to resolve the conflict and see reconciliation in your life, whether you feel like you're the offended one or you're the offender, you can take a step to make it right. This is solid biblical advice, not only in the area of family feuds, but in every area of life. Romans twelve eighteen says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's not always going to depend just on you. It's not always going to be possible, but if it is possible, as far as, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Jacob initiated contact. He anticipated the tension. He asked God for help. He did what he could to make it right. And then I love what he does next. He's hoping for the best. Just believe in God. He's hoping that somehow, some way, this relationship can be restored. Genesis 32, verse twenty. Be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I'll try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. And when I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. You can do the same thing in your situation. You don't have to be pessimistic. You can be optimistic. You can believe God that the relationship will be restored. You can pray in faith. You can act in good faith. You can do everything within your power. Sending gifts, maybe not a bad idea. I don't know if you have as many camels to send as what Jacob had but maybe just uh, some baked goods. I don't know. Do as much as you can and be open to a positive outcome and then watch and see what God does. The next part of the story is a little unexpected. Everything's set. The plan is being carried out. The gifts are being prepared to be sent. And Jacob withdraws from his family and all of the things and he gets alone and he has an encounter with God. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 28, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. That's not fair at all. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, From now on, you'll be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men, and you have won. How strange is that, kind of inserting that story here in the middle of this? Why would Jacob have this most incredible, amazing moment with God? This is one of the highlights of his life, from what we read in the Bible. He has this moment with God right there when he's in the middle of, of conflict with his brother. He's trying to reconcile the relationship, he's, trying to, to, he's calling on God to, to intervene in the situation. He wants the broken relationship to be restored. Why would this encounter, this incredible encounter with God, happen? It wasn't because of the conflict, but I do believe it was because of his willingness to resolve it. And there's a principle here that I think is deeper and goes beyond even just this situation that can be applied to our lives. When you get things right with other people in your life, the result is that you begin to see God move in your life. God's blessing follows restored relationship with people. Sometimes we think it's the other way around. We get things right with God then things will will be right with people. But these two things are, are interconnected. Getting things right between you and God and you and people are two of the concepts that are so intertwined that when asked what the greatest commandment was in the Bible, Jesus instead answered with two. He said in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. A broken relationship with people affects your relationship with God. A poor way of relating to other people or poor treatment of other people affects your relationship with God. It becomes hard to pray. You ever notice that? Someone's mad at you. There's tension. There's a family issue. and You're like, well, I guess I need to pray. But like, that's the last thing on your mind. You can't get the the conflict off your mind. You can't get the broken relationship off your mind. That's consuming all of your, your energy and your attention and your focus. It's harder to worship. It's more difficult to concentrate on Scripture because you're thinking about all the things the person said and, and did and how wrong you were. But what you'll learn is some of the best times with God will happen after you make things right with others. I want to give you a few more words of Jesus that will help you from Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. So if you're presenting a sacrifice on the altar at the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. See how important of an issue that this is to Jesus? See how big of a role it can play in preventing our, our, the relationship that God desires to have with us? Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's a lot that depends on you resolving the conflict that exists in your life. It's time to find a way. It's time to let it go. It's time to bury that hatchet. It's time to, to have the conversation that you haven't had with a person in five or ten or more years. The spiritual is connected to the everyday parts of our lives. And when one is out of whack, it impacts all of the others. Unresolved conflict can lead you to be spiritually anemic and less than God's best for your life. To the point that God says you should just leave church and deal with the conflict first and then come back and continue worshiping. I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your offering. I'm not going to forgive your sins until you resolve the conflict that needs to be resolved, until you forgive the person that needs to be forgiven. Don't stop after attempting to make it right. You have to forgive. You have to deal with this situation. Forgive the people who have wronged you. Forgive the person who refuses to ask for your forgiveness. Forgive them when they don't deserve it. And as you can and do these things, expect God to show up in your life in a big way. Expect him to have some powerful moments of breakthrough in your life because you're honoring God by restoring that broken relationship with the person. I can tell you today that unforgiveness without this is not a prophetic word. This is just telling you today just by the sheer number of people that are here. While I don't think that every single person here today has unresolved conflict, I believe that there are a lot of people here that unforgiveness is holding you back in this room today. I love the quote that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die because literally it'll eat you up inside. Don't you think it's time to forgive that person in your life? That lack of forgiveness isn't hurting your father as much as it's hurting you. Your lack of forgiveness isn't hurting your brother as much as it's hurting you. Your lack of forgiveness isn't hurting the person who used to be your best friend as much as it's hurting you. It's not hurting your spouse as much as it's hurting you. It's not hurting your kids as much as it's hurting you. It's eating you up inside. Make the decision today. Forgive them today. Some of you, because of unforgiveness, you've suffered Not only in relationships, but your health has suffered. Your walk with God is not where it used to be or where it needs to be. You're carrying something today that you were never intended to carry. And today you need to forgive someone so that you don't have to carry that burden anymore. You've held the offense long enough. You've held it too long. It's time to let it go. Who do you need to forgive today? Do it today. Unforgiveness has already cost you enough here's the thing is that you may not feel like forgiving, but forgiving is not a feeling. It's a decision and an action. So to take that action, take that step, forgive. It's time. If you wait till you feel like it, you never will. And, and six weeks will turn into six months, will turn into six years. And you'll live a lifetime of regret, standing wishing that you could forgive a person that you no longer can forgive in person because they're no, no longer alive for you to do it. Let's wrap up the story and see where it ends for Jacob and Esau. Genesis chapter 33, the very next chapter. Verse 1 through 3. Then Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, his two servant wives. And he put the servant wives and the children at the front. Leah and her children next and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Imagine the scene with me. Jacob bowed before his brother, not just once. Or twice, but seven times. And I know bowing is not a big part of our culture, but this is expressing humility. This is the person who deceived his father and his brother who stole his inheritance and now he bows to the ground in front of the one he stole it from. And the the amazing thing about this, the incredible thing, is that it's not a private moment. All of the family, both families are there watching as Jacob bows before his brother. Jacob didn't rehash the story he didn't defend his actions. He didn't say, well, now let's get something straight before we go any further. Or, twins and you were only born seconds before me, so you really didn't deserve that birthright that I stole from you. It was only fair that I get some of the inheritance. He didn't do any of that. He didn't justify. He humbly bowed. Like I said, in our culture, we don't do a lot of bowing, but people, people can humble themselves. What does that look like for you? Maybe it's picking up the phone and initiating the contact and saying, I'm so sorry. That our relationship's been broken already longer than it should have been. I love you. I miss you. I'm sorry. Why it's been broken doesn't matter to me as much that I want it to be right. And I'll do whatever it takes. I love you. Well, pastor, that would be so hard. Why should I have to do that? Well, no one ever said reconciliation is easy. If reconciliation was easy, everybody would be doing it. There would be no broken relationships. If reconciliation was easy, you would have restored this broken relationship years and years ago. It wouldn't have dragged out this far. You would have made it right a long time ago. You see, for people, this is the hardest part because you have to be humble. It may mean you get to apologize when you feel like you're owed an apology. It may mean that when you feel like you were 1% wrong and the other person was 99% wrong, you own your part of it. Humble people apologize, and proud people never, never will. That's why there's a whole lot of broken relationships. Because it's easier to blame other people. It's easier to invite people who will be sympathetic to our cause and, and agree with us and tell us that we're right and tell us how sorry the other person is. But humble people will say, I'm sorry. They'll do it seven times if they have to, and they'll do it publicly. Watch the response from Esau when Jacob does all that he did in verse 4. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and they both wept. This is not just the two of them standing in a field, but it's their families. It's hundreds of people around. Jacob and Esau hugged each other and wrapped their arms around each other and began to weep after 20 years of unresolved conflict. What a beautiful picture. Esau didn't have to say anything. He just forgave Jacob. If you want the fight to end and you want to resolve the conflict, then you have to forgive. And you don't do it in secret. It's important that you include everyone. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the rest of chapter 33, but you can later. It goes on to talk about how not only did Jacob do the things that he did publicly, but the families were introduced and they they became a part of what was taking place. Unlike the story that I shared with you earlier, the story with Jacob and Esau went from a family feud to a family reunion. And when you're resolving conflict, you've got to include everyone in the process. Everybody in the process of restoration, everybody in the process of forgiveness, and in the reunion. Too often, we include people in our conflict, but not in the resolution. We draw them into the fight. We draw them into the wrong that's been done to us, and into the offense because you're mad and you want someone on your side. We all want someone to agree with us and to justify our actions, and the wrong that's been done to us. And then later we may go and work it out with that person. But we don't go back to the person that we drew into the fight with us. And that person is still angry on our behalf. They're still carrying the offense. So me and Ryan, we have a problem. We both tell our wives. We both tell both of our friends. We tell anyone who will listen to us. And by the way, that's called gossip and it's a sin. We don't even realize that our kids overhear us talking about it. And they pick up on it. And two weeks later, Ryan and I, we patch it up. We're even born in the barn like nothing ever happened. Everything's great. But we don't tell our wives or the friends or everybody that knows. In fact, there's no way that we really can. We don't remember who all we've told. And we have no idea how far that story has gone. Ryan completely forgot that he called and told his mom. And now people are mad at me for something that I did to Ryan and mad at Ryan for something he did to me. We've already resolved it between us. We've forgiven and, and forgotten about it and moved on. But Ryan's mom, they never want to see me again. We see this in marriages all the time. Husband and wife has a disagreement, which is normal in marriage. Husband tells his mother who takes up the offense, the husband and wife reconcile. You may have forgiven your wife, but that mama, not so easily. She was included in the conflict, but not in the reconciliation. She wasn't involved in the healing process that happened. You say well i wasn't really trying to gossip i was just trying to get advice well there's a difference a huge difference between gossip and advice advice is when you go to one or two wise trusted mentors that are going to give good advice and you explain everything that happened including the wrong that you've done with the purpose of seeking reconciliation you own you take responsibility and you want to see the relationship restored and you're seeking good advice or good counsel gossip is when you go to anyone and everyone that will listen Specifically, those that you know will take your side and you tell the part of the story that focuses on what you did right and on the wrong that was done to you. And the motive in this is justification. You're not trying to make things right. You want to be right. You see the difference between gossip and advice? So you decide which one it is that you're doing when you go to other people. But too many times we involve people. We invite them into the conflict, but not into the reconciliation. So there's a great principle for you in this. Don't involve other people in your offense. But involve everyone in your reconciliation. Autumn, if you'll come and just begin to play softly. We're going to finish with these last few verses. And they're beautiful from Genesis 33, 9 and 10. Esau answers his brother. Brother, I have plenty. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob insisted, no. If I found favor with you, please accept these gifts from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift that I've brought for you for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. When you're resolving conflict, it's okay to give gifts. It's okay to throw a party. It's okay to take a trip together. It's okay to go to dinner, be joyful, and celebrate the restoration that's taking place. It's It's an amazing thing that happens just like what it does for Jacob and Esau. Celebrate that. Celebrate that reconciliation. Celebrate what God has done in the relationship. That's the fun part of it. That's the beautiful part of it. That's the the healing and the heartwarming part of what happens when a relationship's restored. But it it all starts with the difficult first step of saying, I'm gonna initiate contact with the person that I was just determined I didn't care if I ever saw or heard from again for the rest of my life. I know that we've covered a lot today. Well, I've studied and prepared for this message for a while, you've kind of been bit between the eyes with it. It's not easy. And I know beyond all doubt that it's God's will for you that your conflicts be resolved. How can I know that? Because God's word is very clear. It doesn't make it any easier for us. Following God's word is not always easy. But it is necessary. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely, For you to have a reconciliation story like Jacob and Esau that for 20 years didn't speak. And probably thought at many points along the way, we will never ever see my brother again. Our families will be divided. We'll never ever have that reconciliation story. But God did a work. Jacob humbly repented. Someone reached out. Someone took some steps. Someone forgave someone. A couple of different people forgave a couple of different people. Just like Jacob, you're afraid. Some of you feel like you can't get through to God. Some of you have lost the joy of life. There's something that's missing and you know that it's time and this is a big part of what's happening in your life. Like Jacob, you're afraid. What if they don't accept it? What if it goes wrong? What if they hurt me again? Why should I have to take the first step? Take the first step. Don't allow bitterness and a grudge to rest in your spirit. The hard part of the the end of this message is that the response for this message doesn't really happen in this room. It happens outside of this room. It happens after we leave. But I do want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now where you are. We just bow your heads with me today all over this room. You say, Pastor Matt, I've allowed a conflict to go on and I need to make it right. Please pray for me. on longer than I need to. I've, I've had a part in it whatever, whatever big or, or small however big or small that part of that conflict may be if that's you I want you to just raise your hand right where you are and I'm going to pray for you all over this room Stands going up I've allowed conflict to go on too long there's a whole lot of us that are here today I want to pray for you today Jesus we come to you today and we're pretty humbled by this story We're humbled by your commands. We're humbled by your word. And Lord, I pray for the people in this room. I pray for people that may be listening to this message later on. There's been words that have been said. There's been actions that have been hurtful. I pray for the person that's been betrayed by a friend who could have told the truth but didn't. Lord, there's real hurt that's attached to to many of these stories. Marriages, families relationships, past friendships. I pray for things that happened 20 years ago to be healed, Father God. I pray for the conversations that need to happen. I pray for the phone calls that need to happen, the emails that need to be sent, whatever it may be, Lord. God, I pray that as people begin to honor you by taking the first step, I pray that you would help. I pray that you would go with us. God, even though we can't control the position of someone else's heart, we can control the position of our heart. And so, Lord, by taking that first step, by owning our part, in it, we can choose to do what isn't easy but what is right. And so, God, I pray that as they take those first steps, that you would go before and you would soften hearts. Lord, that you would allow the words to be gentle and loving. Help us not to justify or defend or to prove ourselves right. But, Lord, to humbly repent and forgive and to make things right. God, for some it's with family, with others it may be with a friend. It could be with someone that was a pastor or a leader in your life. Lord, give us the courage and the character to make it right. God, I pray for people that no longer have the chance to make it right because the person, they'll never see him again this side of heaven. But God, I thank you that your forgiveness is complete. I pray that they would forgive themselves. Forgive us, Lord, for holding offense so much that we often miss your plan. That we miss out on the the relationship that you desire to have with us because we've allowed the offense between us and another person to come between our relationship with, with you and I. God, we can't go back and undo all that's been done, but we can't prevent it from happening again. So Lord, help us to love people in spite of hurts. Help us to love people in spite of their imperfections. Help us as a church family to forgive quickly. We love you. We thank you, God. Help us, Lord Jesus. We pray. Autumn's going to lead us just in this chorus. And I want you just to take a moment in your own heart. Like I said, the majority of the response that needs to happen happens outside of this room. But I just believe that God wants to just maybe drop a few things into your spirit about some things that need to be restored. And maybe you want to take down some notes on some paper or your phone or whatever, an action plan. Maybe you just want to allow God to speak to you. But well, Let's just take just one moment. We'll dismiss a moment. Just allow God to speak to you for just a moment about these things.